Hi, this is Dave Isay, founder of StoryCorps. Support for our podcast and the following message comes from Morgan Stanley, a proud sponsor of StoryCorps. Morgan Stanley is committed to giving back and to fostering meaningful dialogue among people and communities. MorganStanley.com. Music is one of those things that brings people together. Good music crosses language barriers, countries, and cultures. And like StoryCorps, can even start a conversation. It's the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. I'm Camila Kashani. On this episode, the little-known stories behind some well-known music. First, we'll hear from Jada Salter and her grandfather, William Salter. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because he helped write one of the most iconic American love songs. We'll get more into the song later. Even though William is a lyricist, bass player, and music producer, to his granddaughter Jada, he's always just been grandpa. As a kid, when I would come to your house, I just remember stuff on the walls, like there'd be dashiki, African mask, and African print wallpaper, the smell of food, grandma's cooking, so, you know, ackee and saltfish, stuff like that, and, um... When I would walk into your room, it's like a whole nother world. For a kid, it's kind of like Narnia, you know, when you walk into the closet. That's how it was with you, (laughs) just with music. And everywhere you look, there'd be guitars, there'd be a keyboard, there'd be notes on the wall. And there'd literally be notes floating in the air because you'd be humming. Even when we're eating, you'd hum in between the bites. And that is a huge part of what I think of when I think of grandpa your sound. I'd always go sit on the couch and sometimes you would take the guitar, sit down next to me and start playing a little tune. (laughs) I used to babysit you a lot. You had the feeling that I was in a position to teach you a little something, something, and you were getting something from it. I loved it. Even though your grandmother would say, be quiet, you're making so much noise. That was cool with me. Being able to share those private and personal moments, it was very meaningful. You know, I didn't come from a formidable family of educated people. My mother was a day worker, and um, there was nobody to look after me. She had no time to talk to me. In fact, we had little or no conversation. My mother used to tell me children were to be seen and not heard. So I was always by myself and lonely. But I had the radio. That's where I got involved with the music. If it was on the radio, I could hear it. I could whistle it. I could sing it. I could do 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 dance to it, the boogie, whatever it is. You know. Whenever you mention the radio, you light up. Music was already in me, but the radio and I embraced each other. Grandpa, could you explain how you found your instrument? Yeah, very simple. Junior high school. When I got to the music class, all the instruments were taken. All that was left were three string basses standing against the wall. It was either that or I didn't do anything. So I'd take what you get. But I had no complaint. Because prior to getting involved with music, I was just another kid on the block without knowing who I was. But when music and I became one, I found myself. I would walk down the street with the bass on my back and people would just stand back. 
I walked like I was somebody special. And with that base, I've been able to get as far as I have gotten. William wrote Just the Two of Us with Ralph McDonald and Bill Withers in the 80s. And the song became wildly popular and was nominated for a Grammy Award for Record of the Year. Just the two of us. If you grew up with a family like mine, you definitely heard this song playing at every cookout, birthday, and holiday. It's truly not a party unless this song is on the playlist. It's also been sampled and remixed a bunch of times by different artists. You might be familiar with the Will Smith version of the song. That's the version Jada knew, but she had no idea her grandpa was behind the original. Until one day when she was visiting. I remember when I was about eight, you were playing this song and you said that was your song that you wrote. And so that's when I was like, my grandpa's like the coolest person ever. (laughs) (laughs) I went back to summer camp and I was showing everybody on my Walkman here, listen, listen, this is my grandfather's song. And they're like, oh, he wrote this song. I was like, yeah, he wrote this song. (laughs) (laughs) When you were younger, what did you imagine the song was about? When I heard the lyrics, I just imagined in my head, Grandpa and I. (laughs) I would always remember the first lyric, I see the crystal raindrops fall. I see the crystal raindrops fall and the beauty of it all. When the sun comes shining through Instead of crystal raindrops, I imagine like a, a palace or a castle or something. And I feel like that castle was Grandma and Grandpa's house. For me, I'm just like, that's my song. That's my grandpa. But then once I found out that other people connected so deeply with the song with their own personal lives, I was just like, okay, they can have the song too, you know. How did the meaning of that song change as you got older when life gets hard i would just always go back to the lyrics we can make it if we try so there you go. i'm just like as long as i'm trying there's a purpose to life there's a purpose to everything and why would you waste this you gift this precious gift so you really inspire me to just keep going and then just to to not give up you know you're very precious to me And sometimes I get scared that once it's your time, I'm not going to have you. I was blessed enough to have you for these years. And hopefully, I pray, I'll have you for a whole lot more. But I realized that song is an example of how you're still going to be there. You're always going to be there. Thank you for telling my story. I'm grateful. That was William Salter and his granddaughter, Jada Salter. After the break, we'll hear from two sisters who got to know their dad better through his music. Stay with us.
Hi, I'm Dave Isay, founder of StoryCorps. This message comes from NPR sponsor Subaru, celebrating their 14th annual Subaru Share the Love event now through January 3rd. For every new Subaru purchased or leased during the event, Subaru will donate $250 to your choice of charities like the ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, or the National Park Foundation. To learn more, go to Subaru.com share. Subaru, more than a car company. Welcome back. Our next story comes from sisters, Carmen Cristina Moreno and Rosemary Seltzer, who also grew up in a musical family. Their parents were known as Los Moreno, or Duo Los Moreno. They were a Mexican folk music duo in Los Angeles. Their dad, Luis, wrote the songs and performed them with their mom, Carmen, throughout the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. And they were stars. In 2010, Carmen Cristina and Rosemary came to StoryCorps to remember their parents and what it was like to grow up surrounded by music. Here's Carmen Cristina talking about how their dad first fell in love with music as a young boy in Mexico. I remember daddy would tell me that he would ask his mom, ¿De dónde vienen las canciones, mamá? Where do the songs come from? And she would say, las sirenas las componen. The mermaids compose them in the sea. But my abuela didn't want my father to be a musician because she wanted him to be a baker, to have a stable job. And at that time, the mariachis, they would look down upon. Wow. I remember when he was young in Mexico, the guy gave him the little guitar and said, if you can play this, then you can have it. And so he learned, I think overnight, and took it back and played a song for him. And the man let him have the guitar. When he went home really proud with his little guitar that the traveling vendor had given him, uh, Abuela Valentina, broke the guitar on his back. <gasps> she hit him with a guitar. My dad was only six years old. I know what you might be thinking. We thought about it, too. That's basically the story of Coco, Pixar's animated film from a few years ago. A Mexican boy who loves music, but his family wants him to learn a trade instead. I mean, what can we say? The Moreno sisters recorded their story core conversation seven years before the movie even came out. Sometimes reality beats fiction. But of course we wanted to know more. So earlier this year, we reached out to the Moreno sisters and asked them to do another recording. Even though a decade passed since their first conversation, they picked up right where they left off 10 years earlier. She said, you're not going to be no blankety-blank mariachi. I've already set an appointment for you with my uncle who has a bakery. You're going to be an apprentice there. Can you just imagine how heartbroken he must have been? When did he start playing music for a living? It was uh, after Abuela Valentina passed away. As far as dad's songs, were they all songs about struggle? He composed from the heart, and he wrote what he had lived. He would say, En las cantinas quedó mi primavera. En las cantinas quedó mi primavera. In the taverns, I ended my youth. I left my youth. And also, he wrote a song that is just so heart-wrenching. And he talks about not having a mother or father and being a wanderer. Can you imagine that? Soy un pobre que vivo de rante. 
voy buscando un cariño perdido que imposible lo vuelvo a encontrar. Luis was inspired by what life threw at him. His parents died when he was young and he became an orphan. When he was older, he was sent to fight in the Mexican Revolution. And after being shot in battle, he immigrated to the United States in 1919 and eventually settled down in California. That's where he met his wife and creative partner, Carmen Moreno. Rosemary and Carmen Cristina both remember how dedicated their parents were to music and also to their family. There was always music in the house. Dad would sit in the back seat of the white station wagon that we used to call La Paloma with a pad and a pencil. He would say, well, this is the only place I can get some peace and quiet to write. No blank cardboard was safe. That's what he wrote on. He would save those little insert cards from the stocking packages, remember? (laughs) Yes. I remember when I was 13, 14, they were still working on the weekends, playing in cantinas. And they would stuff the dollar bills in the guitars. They would come home and I would help them pull the money out of the guitars. I can still remember the sound the dollar bills made as they would go through the strings. I remember during the 40s, some of the promoters invited mom and dad to go on tour to South America. But that would have meant leaving us with strangers. And dad said, no, what about the children? Yeah. I think because he suffered so much when he was young and an orphan, that he wanted to make sure his children didn't suffer as he did. He was a very loving and caring dad, like a big gentle bear. And the low ebb of their career, our dad had to get a job as a farm irrigator. Daddy would come home with burst blisters. And I think how hard it must have been for him because he had to do what it took to feed his family. I admired my father tremendously. He composed approximately 300 songs in his lifetime. Yeah, but most of his songs aren't copywritten. He gave away the songs or sold them for $50 a song. So I could imagine that as he got older and he hears his music on the radio and all of these people getting famous, that must have been gut-wrenching for him. I just wish I could get at least my father's name and credit on those songs. It's just sad that he didn't get the recognition that he should have gotten. But he still made it, in a way, even though he couldn't read or write very well. Yeah, Dad only had half a day of school, but he was a born musician. How do you feel when you hear Dad's songs being played on the radio? Well, I try not to listen to his music because it makes me so emotional. I don't care where I am. The music brings back memories of when I was younger. Yeah, some songs are just uh, too personal. How do you think that dad would want to be remembered? Aside from being a good family man, I mean, that goes without saying, but he wanted people to know that he composed music beautiful music. That's how I think he'd want to be remembered. That was Rosemary Seltzer with her sister, 
Carmen Cristina Moreno. A lot of the songs written by Luis a century ago are still being performed by musicians today, with no credits to Luis. And this song we're hearing, Un Dia Con Otro, is an original recording from 1941 by Los Moreno. It's about Luis sharing his hopes that one day he'll catch a lucky break. That's all for this episode of the StoryCorps podcast. It was produced by me and Joe Corona and edited by Layla Oweda. Our executive editor is Jasmine Morris. Our technical director is Jarrett Floyd, who also composed our theme song. Our fact checker is Natsumi Ajisaka. Special thanks to Abe Selby, Lily Sullivan, and Judd S.D. Kendall. To see what music we use in the episode, including more from Los Moreno, go to storycore.org. You can also check out original artwork created for this season by Lynn Lucia. For the StoryCorps Podcast, I'm Camila Kashani. Catch you next week. This podcast is brought to you by supporters of StoryCorps, an independently funded nonprofit organization, and is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.